from a network of highly secure top secret locations across North America. This is the return of the Spurs Insider Podcast. I am your host, Mike Finger, being joined once again, audio only, uh, by Express News beat writers, Tom Orsborne, Jeff McDonald, and sports editor, Nick Talbot. We are back to talk about your tanking local cagers who cannot be beaten. Is that a paradox? Is that an enigma? Is that a mystery wrapped in a riddle? Who's to say? But let's get into it. Tom Orsborne, you are in a secure location not too far from me in the great white (laughs) north. Uh, We will not be more specific than that. But what do you make of what is going on with the three and one tanking local cagers, man, uh, just juggernaut. <laughs> it's just a juggernaut. But seriously, they're they're playing. Uh, you know, their their pace, their their aggressiveness. Uh, ever since that uh, uh, opener when they lost to Charlotte, um, has been excellent. I mean, uh, last night in. Uh, in uh at the target center i mean as chris finch said they they outpunked us in every way possible and that's that's pretty much the uh you know the the perfect description for it although you know you wonder it's just early it's you know minneapolis was playing i mean uh, minnesota was on a back-to-back but still i mean uh, spurs what they're doing is impressive um you know they're playing playing really hard the listeners uh, were up in arms last week, and I, I mean at least one or two of them, uh, a huge chunk of our fan base uh, about us not doing an opening week Spurs Insider podcast. If we would have done it, if we would have gotten our act together and done our first podcast the day after that opening game, how different would that podcast sound than the one we're doing just a few days later? The, the opening night performance against the Charlotte Hornets, who are not a juggernaut in the Eastern Conference and might end up becoming the tank in Hornets, um, was one of the more lopsided, one of the more uh, humiliating opening night efforts in the history of the San Antonio Spurs. And, um, you know, based on that first night, it looked like exactly what everybody expected. This was going to be a brutal year where the Spurs were going to struggle to not just win, but uh, to hang in there with most teams. And then they turn around and, and Jeff went on the road to Indianapolis and Philadelphia and saw just one of the more dramatic overnight turnarounds we've ever seen. And I know this isn't going to last forever, but uh, Jeff, you can weigh in on what you saw and what to make of these first four games as a whole. I think uh, and I made this point before to somebody, maybe not on this podcast, but I think what's going to separate your taken Spurs this year and many of the taken teams we've seen in the past uh, is, A, they've got guys that are going to play hard. They're going to be um, well-organized and they're going to be competent. And so you, if you get in a situation when you're play, where you're playing a team that maybe has a little more talented than you but isn't well-organized, and isn't competent right now and maybe isn't fully engaged, um, they're going to have a chance to win those games. And um, that's kind of what we saw in my – well, what, what we're seeing on this road trip is um, 
they're catching teams that aren't really prepared to play at the pace that they're they're playing at. Um, maybe you're overlooking them. Maybe just aren't as organized at this point of the season as the Spurs are, which is kind of crazy because this is a totally different Spurs team than we've seen. I mean, the starting lineup is kind of revamped. You've got guys that have not played together. Um, but And this is the point I was trying to make in the preseason when you laughed at me. But they seemed well, way more beside again, besides the opener at Houston in the preseason, all the other games, they seemed way more organized and way more competent and way more. Hey, they kind of know what they're doing than I expected at that point of the season. Um, And they're they're ahead of a lot of the teams they're playing in that regard. And, you know, you hate to drink the Kool-Aid, but you have to give Pop some credit for that. I think we tend to be sort of prisoners of the moment. And um, sure the last three, the, these three games, you can, you can on the one hand say exactly what you just said, that the Spurs are incredibly well prepared to play some of these teams for a team that's just kind of learning who it is um, and that they're going to continue to be competent and organized and all those kinds of things. Um, I don't expect that to continue. I mean, obviously sure, the other teams are going to catch win, up. They're not going to win 75% of their games. Other teams nope. are going to catch up. And I do, I, this doesn't make for great podcast hot takes or arguments. I think we're going to find the eventual inevitable middle ground here. Like the Spurs aren't going to be more competent and play harder than everybody all year. Like the right. Spurs do have that competitiveness in their DNA that has been passed down for generations. Um, but like they're going to hit those dull, we've seen Spurs teams in recent years that have that have hit those periods where they just, they can't buy a bucket. They can't win a possession. They can't win a game. And that goes on for a little, like a week, two weeks, three weeks at a time. Like that's going to happen eventually. And it's easy to sit here and kind of mock other tanking teams, how they're not nearly as with it as your local cagers are. I'm not so sure that advantage is going to stay that way. All Like this team is going to hit a slump and it's going to, it's going to have nights where like, the players are, or do we really want to be here? That's just natural. And one of those nights was opening night. <laughs> so like we're, we're, we're a week removed from them just looking like the worst team in the history of basketball. So again, this, this isn't exactly a hot take one way or the other. I think the water is going to, I think Manu Ginobili could, could put this better in terms of uh, reverting to the mean. I think if you look on paper, the way that the, you know, talent wise, what this team has, uh, track record wise, it's a team that's going to be sort of in a fight to win 30, 30, can go 30 and 50 somewhere along those lines. Um, but right now I just, I would just say for those who are still in love with Victor Wembanyama, who is awesome and is a once in a generation talent. I mean, I, I saw him in Vegas earlier this month. He's, he's worth dreaming about. Like don't freak out about a three and one start because it's, the, the losses are going to come eventually if you want the losses. And if you like the wins, enjoy them um, because they're fun. Right. My, my point is that they're going to win 62 games, which is what they're on pace up for. They're not going to win 40 games. But these, these predictions about the Spurs are going to win 20 and maybe less than 20 and maybe 20 is the over-under and all these discussions people are having in the preseason, I, I, I don't think they're going to be that bad without trying to be that bad. I think that was the point I was trying to make in the preseason was if they go out to try to win every game they can, I don't think they're going to finish in the bottom three. Now I'm not saying that I'm not saying they are going to do that, 
I mean, there are certainly ways they can uh, get around doing that. Uh, there are certain things the front office can do as we approach the trade deadline that can hamstring any any chances to do that. I'm just saying, I think this team is probably, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's good enough to win more than 20 games. I think if you gave me 20, if, if you told me they were going to win 20 or they were going to win 30, like those are the two numbers, I would say they're way more likely to win 30. And I don't know that 30 is enough to, to maximize your Wimby chances. I think the uh, the odds before the season began were at what? In Vegas odds were 22.5 wins. Looks like they're going to be over that now. Uh, people who, you know, it's early. Went back the last three years. I wouldn't call that a lock. I wouldn't call like, There's going to be some, rough, there's went, gonna be some I, rough months. I went, I went back uh, the last three years and looked at the uh, teams that went three and one to start. Most teams made the playoffs, of course. But if you look at the teams that were, you know, actively maybe not trying to win, uh, I believe we have the Wizards last year. Uh, they ended up winning 35 games. The year before that, the Sacramento Kings won 31. And the year before that was the shortened season. So they only played 72 games, I believe. And Orlando won 21. So it's not impossible. And the next, the next stretch of the schedule will be telling, too, because I, I, what, what, what we saw opening night, I think, and will probably hold for a while, is um, the, 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 with a young team, confidence is a, it works both ways. Like when they're rolling, they look great. But when things are rolling on them, uh, it seems to snowball. And I think that's what we saw against Charlotte. And I think that can work in the macro sense as well, where they've got – I mean, the, the schedule right now is just brutal. Uh, they, they shouldn't be three and one to be honest, but the schedule they got coming up, like they don't, they don't play another, um, like all the teams they are playing coming up. You would look, I look at as playoff teams pretty much until you get to about the end of November. Um, Correct. so if that starts going South, I mean, if they went lose two or three, they get their butts kicked a couple times. Um, you could see the confidence start to sh- shake a little bit and, and, and that's where you get into a really rough month. So I think we'll, we'll see some stretches like that. Nobody here is predicting a playoff run, I don't think. I'm just saying this this idea that they can just show up, play as hard as they can, and get Wimby. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, obvious, the obvious guy to be moved would be Jakob. So you take Jakob off this roster, you know, it's a whole different story. Jakob probably won't finish on this team. Yeah. Um, it's, it's why you're – for those wondering why, like Doug McDermott and uh, Josh Richardson, name your veteran who isn't part of the future is playing, is because those guys could get moved. Um, a lot of guys could get moved off of this team. And um, I just, I'm not ready. Like Jeff's sort of taking a victory lap about oh, how no, this team I'm is not going to be bad Come enough. To, like, like, uh, <laughs> um, the last three games have been unbelievably uh, positive signs for how how hard this team is going to compete now, um, how well they're coming together, blah, blah, blah. Um, in one of them, uh, they allowed a team that's competing for one of the worst in the league in the Indiana Pacers to score like, I think it was 70-something points in the fourth quarter. Was that, was that a bit high? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was 49. Can we... 49, 49 points in the fourth quarter after they built a huge lead. Um, the second game of this three-game winning streak was against the Philadelphia team that just seems to be a total mess right now. And, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good win. Your, your local cagers outplayed a good, 
a, a team that's a legitimate championship contender, but that team is just sort of a, an absolute mess. And I can't imagine that they walked into that building against the Spurs ready to play. Um, I'm not, you got, you got to show up. Every game matters. You know, that's true, but I mean, come on. And then the, the game last night, like the, the Timberwolves were on the second night of a back-to-back. They did not seem to care much to start out with. Uh, like Chris Finch said, they got punked. Um, but then they went on a little bit of run in the fourth quarter. It went from 31 or 32 to 13. And All kind right, of a blink. So, so we've proven the Spurs are not, are not ready to beat everybody by 30. Okay. You've made your point. I'm just saying. Not quite good enough to beat everybody by 30. They might have to settle for their humdrum 15-point wins here or there. The only nit I'm picking here is you You still seem to be convinced that if this team continues to try hard and play together, that there's no way it's going to finish in the bottom three. I still think the bottom three is a distinct possibility because they're just not – their their talent level isn't there. I mean, it, it is a it is a bottom three, bottom four, bottom five talent. Okay, but now you're now you're Thanks. now you're putting bottom four, bottom five. Now you're moving the goalposts a little. No, if you're bottom, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that bottom three is a possibility. Like it's it's if 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 you're a bottom five talent team, then bottom three is a possibility because of variance. To bring in like poker terms here, like like, like there's there's injuries there's ups and downs there's trading Jakob like I still for, for for people who are out there dreaming of Victor Wembanyama and who think after these first four games oh there's no way they're gonna the Spurs are gonna be in the bottom three and get that 14 percent chance to get them like keep heart like like bottom three is still a possibility I wouldn't say no way about anything you're correct but a big part of that is who they're gonna trade before February. Yeah, that, that's a really big part of it because you're not just looking at Jakob, you're looking at depth too with McDermott and Josh Richardson. It's, if you take three guys out of the rotation, it's a lot. I was just playing this hypothetical game. Spurs don't, if the Spurs don't play the tanking game and everybody else does, they're not going to finish in the bottom three. Like they're going to have to do some, they're going to have to do some things that, uh, that facilitate that. And they probably will. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a thought experiment. I think you're also being overly dismissive of the other tanking teams, like that they they just don't care. Like that Oklahoma City team plays hard. Will Hardy is coach of the year candidate already. Our old friend Will Hardy, like this is the Jazz, who are supposed to be a terrible team, started three and zero. Yeah, Oklahoma City plays hard, but their second best player is Lou Dort. Their best player is better than the Spurs' best player. Yeah, but their best player might not ever play because they've made they've been pretty. They've been pretty uh, consistent on that for the last several years where if that guy has a hangnail, he's going to miss 40 games. And that's what I'm talking about. The Spurs, so far, have not shown they will do that with their best player. And maybe they will. But the, the Thunder have made it clear that they got no qualms sitting their best player for months on end. Here's a question, that Jeff. Since you said uh, change tack a little bit, since you said uh, they won't sit their best player, who's been the best player so far this year? Has it been Keldon? Devin? Who would that player be? Jakob? Yeah, it depends on what you like. The very uh, even distributing team so far. I think what – how many assists did they have on their on their field goals yesterday? I think that's two or three times now. They've been over 30. Yeah, they had 37 uh, last night. 
on 48 bakes. I guess my point is they're, they're going to have a bad record, but they're not going to be hapless. I think we all agree on that. All right, let's call it. Let's wrap it. <laughs> Hell of a podcast. Anyway, anyway, in terms of just basketball itself, um, if we were talking about a team in which the NBA draft, Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, in which that did not exist, and you were just talking, we were just analyzing basketball, which I realize is not what this podcast has ever been about at all in terms of analyzing <laughs> basketball. <laughs> but uh, but what, what do you like and, and, and dislike? Uh, what are you surprised about in terms of how just the, the, the basketball team has played basketball so far? The obvious, the obvious one to me is just Devin Vassell's relentless aggressiveness, which I think is what they want from him, what they need from him. But that, that guy's getting up shots. Um, they're good shots. And just being able to do it when the first night was a disaster for him. Um, oh, oh, eight from, you know, your first, you know, you've got, he, you talked all this all summer about he's got this new role, this new opportunity. Um, he's going to have a bigger load on his shoulders. A lot of people looking his way. Um, green light and then he goes 0 for 8 from 3 in the first game like that you know I, I'm I'm weak minded so I would have been just you know I would have backed off after that I would have I would have shied away um, he's kept fight on the road on this road trip he's been really 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 good um, and after that first game he's made almost everything he's taken like you have a lot of confidence in that guy right now and he's got a lot of confidence in himself and one of the differences is he's also getting to the line a lot more yeah, he's uh, just, just attacking the rim like crazy. Yeah, the biggest the biggest thing that stands out to me is they're they're executing the way they want to execute. They're they're you know they're pay they're fourth in the league in pace. That's exactly what they want to be. And uh, then last night you throw in a component, something else that they wanted to see that that finally happened last night was Jeremy Sohan being aggressive and going to the basket and getting out on the break and attacking the rim. So it, that's impressive that they're doing what, what they set out to do. Their pace is excellent. Um, they're playing uh, strong on defense. Uh, so that, that first unit deserves a lot of credit, I think. Jeremy Sohan had a better scoring spurt in his fourth game in the NBA than he ever had in college. His, his, his career high. In college, this this top ten NBA draft pick was seventeen points. Never scored more than seventeen points in a game in Baylor. That's just not what he was asked to do. It's kind of the way the draft is now. Like you're, you're drafting on potential, not necessarily on accomplishments. Um, I, I just found that kind of interesting. And then last night, uh, we're, we're we're recording this on a Tuesday here in the Great White North um, on Monday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, Jeremy Sohan by the, I think the six minute mark of the second quarter already had 12 points. Uh, he finished with, with less than 17, he finished with 14, but he was also, he and, and uh, Jakob Pearl were matched up against one of the largest, most formidable front courts that the NBA has seen in a long time in Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns and the Sohan Pearl front court won that <laughs> for one night. Um, with 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 the kid who was a, a sixth man at Baylor, um, starting his fourth NBA game, so that was a definite, like Tom said, a definite uh, sign of optimism, sign of uh, the way this team is coming together early on. 
You know, he just he just fits. He uh, Jakob said this last night that he's a lot more comfortable at this point than they than they expected. And I thought it was telling that Sohan said last night. You know, being asked about facing that front court, you know, three time defensive player of the year, Gobert and All Star in Cat. Um, you know about about being nervous if he if he still had jitters and he said yeah I've got butterflies in my tummy but it, it's it's about being excited about playing the best it's not being nervous or you know worried about whether he can hold his own or fit in he's just excited about uh, about facing these guys and he he fits in so well and uh, you know it was a good decision you know no G League for him just throw him in the fire and and see what he can do. On that note, like the, the Spurs are as young in, in terms of who they're playing, uh, giving minutes to right now. They're, they're also getting younger uh, as we speak in that last night, uh, baby-faced Isaiah Roby got the minutes that had been going to KBD, I believe. Um, so now in, in, the, in those top two lineups and, and the top 10 in the rotation, you have, you're starting a 19-year-old Jeremy Sohan. Um, like Kelvin Johnson and Devin Vassell aren't exactly uh, graying veterans. I mean, those are those, those are, what, 22, 23 year old players. Trey Jones starting at point guard. You got Josh, 19 year old Josh Primo coming off the bench. Baby faced Isaiah Roby in the, in the, in the second unit now. Um, they are committing to a youth movement and there's just not room. This is segueing into what Tom just mentioned about the G League. Uh, one of the news items from this week was Blake Wesley and Malachi Branham uh, heading to to start their career in the G League. The Spurs also signed uh, former St. Anthony's High School uh, player, Phenom Charles Bassey, who will be part of the G League team. But, and I don't think they should become any kind of debate here, but this is, this just seems like the natural approach that the Spurs should be taking play a bunch of young guys in the NBA games but then you also want the other young guys who aren't playing to play every day and to learn how to uh, dominate the way that Devin Vassell and Kelvin Johnson who are playing so well now once did um, I, I, I think that should be uh, I think that's a good move for Blake Wesley for Branham for Bassey for Dominic Barlow for all of those guys yeah, it would be silly to play. I mean, you can't play all the rookies mm-hmm. unless they unless they're just really good and deserve it. You can't play all the rookies, and that's some people seem to want that. Like, just get all six of them up there and play them all in the road. That doesn't make any sense. So, I think they're doing the right thing. Like the 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 Wesley Branham path can be the Kelton Johnson Devin Vassell path. Yeah, um, the Dejounte Murray Derek White path before them. I don't think that they will be down there as long as some of those guys. If you consider that Doug McDermott might not finish the season with the Spurs, that Josh Richardson might not finish the season with the Spurs, that Jakob Pearl might not finish the season with the Spurs. It all sets up really naturally. And again, this does not, (laughs) this isn't great debate fodder because I don't really think there's a reasonable other side of the debate. Like it just, it just seems so obvious that this is the way you do it. You let, those those guys who aren't getting the big minutes and like what's better to have to throw them in there for eight ten right. minutes a night 
right? Um, and and let them be overwhelmed against, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Golden State or whoever, or let them get thirty minutes a night in the G League and and build themselves up the way that all those guys we just mentioned once built themselves up by February or March. Bring them back up and 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 get NBA minutes. Yeah, when you talk when you talk about those guys that they drafted in the first round, Branham and Wesley are the type that that with that need the G League that would you know you throw them down there and say go get thirty, go learn to score, go learn the game. Sohan, number one, he's getting minutes in the NBA, he's starting, and he's not the type of guy that I think would benefit from the G League. He's a guy that kind of plays off everybody else. He needs to be around NBA players. Sending Sohan to the G League and telling him go score thirty doesn't make sense. But the other two, it does to me. You know, go get your confidence, go learn to score. And Mike used the word overwhelmed, and that that's that's perfect. That's where they would be right now, whereas Sohan is just totally comfortable. When I was in um, in Vegas to see Wemby Mania, I don't think we've done a podcast since I went. Um, and I think Jeff might have mentioned this in one of the – Jeff or Tom might have, might have dropped this, this comparison in the early Sohan coverage. But I had somebody tell me out there that the uh, the comp, and this was before the punch, <laughs> that uh, that it got so much news uh, since then. But I had somebody compare Sohan uh, to Draymond Green, and for him to be that kind of player uh, for the Spurs eventually, not necessarily in attitude. Although I do think he's he's got some personality the way Draymond has personality, but just in terms of like you guys just mentioned, playing off of other good players, making the people around him better, whether that's passing, whether that's rebounding. Um, I think that some talent evaluators believe that Sohan can eventually be a better shooter than Draymond is. Like that's the hope. But um, if, if that's the type of comp that you have for a player like that, it makes way more sense. Like Jeff just said, to have him play around veterans, like because that's that's his skill set is to make people better, um, as opposed to you want like a Blake Wesley or Malachi Branham to go down and learn how to be a lead scorer um, to to dominate against against competition where they can be effective. So I I just found that kind of interesting there to to hear that comparison because it, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can. Uh, yeah, he's going to shoot better. I think he's he's. He's shown signs of that, and uh, the assists last night, four assists. Yeah, he's just fitting in. That 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 starting five is a very comfortable unit. I think they really play well together, and uh, he's a big part of that. I will eat a little bit of crow on Trey Jones. Um, like he, I, I'll say this about him now. Um, Early in his career, I thought this was an organizational, just kind of nice guy to have at the bottom of the roster just in case, insurance policy, whatever. I did not see the long-term fit, and he's not going to be a star. Um, I think uh, – did, didn't Pop compare him last night, Tom, to Avery Johnson? Yes. <laughs> in terms yes. of uh, just just the presence. Giving everything he has every night in every way, shape. Right. right. Like, there's there's – He's, he doesn't kill you as a starting point guard. And I, th- I think there's there's a time not so long ago when I would have thought that he would have. Uh, but he's been a pleasant surprise and just kind of a steadying, kind of the perfect guy for what the Spurs yeah. are trying to do this year. Um, that assist to turnover ratio is always there with him. Eight assists last night, one turnover. 
It was interesting, Pop made the Avery comp, uh, comparison because uh, after the game in Philadelphia, I was talking to Kelvin about Trey, and I was the one that brought up, like, it's a tough job, point guard for the Spurs. Like, you're following an all-star who followed an all-star, and, and Kelvin, you know, gave a great quote about how, you know, he doesn't have to be Tony Parker or DeJounte Murray. And I almost asked Kelvin, do you even remember Avery Johnson? Because that's who Trey kind of reminds me of the most in terms of Spurs point guards. But I did not. So it was surprising. It was interesting to me that Pop made that comparison uh, a couple nights later. Yeah. You and so Jeff McDonald, Jeff McDonald and uh, Greg Popovich on the same wavelength. There's a there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for even though you know impending doom is just beyond the horizon. To appreciate the joy of today, the the simple pleasures of victories over. The Indiana Pacers and the, the Philadelphia 76ers and the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, even though just a, just a day from now it could all fall apart, just enjoy what you have while you have it. And we'll, we'll keep that same thing going here on the Spurs Insider Podcast. Until the next time, take care of each other and keep it real. <laughs>